great. I appreciate how the Spirit works. You know, even in... I did not coordinate with either uh, Zach or Larry, and yet they both talked about the Spirit of God, which I think is the Spirit of God. You know, it's very encouraging, and it's a bit of what I, it is what I want to talk about here in a minute about about the gift that keeps on giving, or the best gift ever, or however you want to gift in there. We'll get there in a second, but it just reminds me how God continually works. And I was reminded of that this Thursday, Jeanette and I were at our French class. So we are trying to learn French, and uh, it's it's a journey, and um, but it's been fun. And so uh, we're and we were in person. So you're going, okay, well, how's God going to use this? You know, as a way to interact with other people. And you know, there were some people from Shelburne, and you know, never really connected with them. And so on our last day, I started chatting with um, a guy who is a, uh, a, a software developer, and we just started comparing notes. You know, I'd never really talked to him. You know, besides trying to say broken French. And, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, he was, um, you know, from, I forget where he's from originally, but from California, and he went to school in Pittsburgh, which is where my daughter went to school, and he works for a San Diego company, and we just started talking about sort of life background, and, <clears throat> and it was a lot of alignment. That's interesting. And then he says, yeah, my, my girlfriend is a, uh, is a med student, and she's, <clears throat> she's a, she's a, a um, African-American, right? So she said, and there was like this forum where, you know, they had a lot of inspirational speakers, and there was this woman, you know, a doctor, and I don't know how it got there, Margaret Kandow <laughs> spoke, and, and this gentleman, Dennis, goes, yeah, but I told her, I already knew Margaret, because I had played pickleball with her. <laughs> and she was very competitive, and <laughs> I was like, Margaret... So, uh, so I, I just took that to go, well, okay, you know, I don't know exactly how God's going to use that, but there's somebody in my next semester of French class who already is connected with Margaret, and somehow that makes sense to God, right? So that, that makes sense. It uh, makes sense to me, too, but it wasn't one where I go, looking around the room, go, well, that person, you know, that person, God has already touched by someone, you know, uh, in, in our church. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's very powerful. And you know, as we're in this time of holidays, like, yeah, I thought it was great. We're having communion, and, and I think we're hearing let it snow, let it snow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went to um, we went to a couple of craft stores uh, for some reason or, or yesterday. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of Christmas-like stuff in there, but very little, I mean, if almost nothing about Christmas itself, and certainly nothing about Jesus. Or So it's, you know, it's really interesting. How do you spin the holiday that really got its start talking about the birth of Jesus to have, have nothing to do with Jesus? Right. So that was interesting, you know, I'm like, hmm, okay. And even, you know, we're, we're getting very busy, most of us, you know, whether it's family gatherings or it's, you know, going back home for a bit if, you're, if home, home is primarily somewhere else. Uh, you know, maybe it's about gift giving. Maybe it's about buying gifts and getting ready to give gifts. And those have always been areas of stress for me. I mean, I'm the guy who spent Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve when they're closing down the store. <clears throat> so um, I've been that guy at times. And... Uh, and even, even in, you know, how we give giving, sometimes I think it messes up our mind about what gifts really are. You know, Yankee swaps. 
Now, have, have you ever done a Yankee swap? Yeah. I've done it with some of you. And now, what's the challenge of a Yankee swap? The rules. You know, you got, everybody argues about what the rules should be. <laughs> it might be a bit competitive even there. You know, and, and what about a white elephant? You know, a white elephant. It's like nobody wants to go. That's where you bring a gift that you don't want. And, you know, so you end up going home with something that someone else didn't want. And that just doesn't really have a good thing to it. You know? It's competitive. How to get the worst gift transferred over. I, I don't know. But you know, all that can really start to change how we think about gifts. You know, and, and about even sometimes we just have so much that we say, I don't bother giving me anything. Really, if I want it, I'll go buy it. I don't really need a gift. So it changes the way we even think about what is a gift. A gift really originally was something that someone gave you and you knew you didn't deserve it, but it, a lot of times it was changed your life. You know, whether it was in a relationship, you know, if, you, if you're alive, two people decided they would have a child. And that having a child is the biggest surprise in the world. <laughs> if you haven't had it, and it's not about giving birth, it's about all the things that come after that. And, uh, you know, we're not done with it yet, so we keep getting surprised, you know, <clears throat> by our grown children. Uh, but it's, it, was, it was a gift, though, that, that they gave to you through the power of God, and they keep on, your parents, as long as they're alive, in many cases, keep on giving back to you. you know, imperfectly, being human, of course. <clears throat> but it's, it's really, they made a decision. They could have decided not to do that, right, and not have children. Or, you know, we enter into a relationship and we decide that we're going to give of ourselves. And, you know, as much as I love Jeanette, she's very different than we, we said I do back a few years ago. And um, But I'm really grateful that she continues to love me and be willing to give to me and encourage me. And, and I don't think that it's the way today that it was when she first made that decision to give that ongoing gift. Mm-hmm. But it's it, – so giving a gift – can be transformational both for the recipient and for the giver. So let's go over in Acts, Acts chapter 2. And I just really want to start out thinking about. I'm going to read a Bible on a computer. So, all right, so let's just start there in Acts 2 and in verse 37 or so, where it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now this semester I'm I'm taking a class through online about the Holy Spirit, and a lot of what we've talked about is just all the different ways people interpret the passages in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> there's a lot, and there's a lot. There's merit in many of them, but I think when it comes down to this one passage, it makes it fairly strange. It says, Peter's replies, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, or want, you really have to go through those things that Jesus called us to do, that Peter called us to do, to uh, just to repent, to change our ways, to decide that you're going to go after it, to do that in the name of Jesus, 
And you do receive not only the forgiveness of your sins, but you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's a promise that's not just for the folks that heard that message that day some almost 2,000 years ago, roughly, yeah. um, but it's for everybody. Everybody that God will call to receive that gift. That means that if you've done those things, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've received something that God has promised. You know, in Galatians, in Galatians 3, it says, He redeemed us in order that the, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Hmm. Take it in for a minute. You've received what it was all about. And what was promised to Abraham has been fulfilled in you. Yep. You've received that spirit that really is radically different. It's a transformational gift. It's not just, uh, oh yeah, nice to have, sort of thank, thank you very much. But it really is something that not only changes us individually, but it changes, changes the entire world. Amen. Let's take a look over in John 14. I want to spend a bit of time here um, and just read through sort of this idea of giving the Spirit. So, we'll just read, we'll read a fair amount of John 14. Let's start in verse 1. Here all the pages. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, immediately, I'll interject here for a second, they go, wait a minute, what do you mean we know the place? So Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Philip says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. <clears throat> you may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's interesting. The Spirit lives with you and is in you. And it's this struggle because they're going, wait, Jesus, you're leaving? They, I don't think they were expecting that. You know, I know they weren't expecting that. So Jesus is going to leave and go away from them, and they're going, wait a minute, that, that's not going to be good. But he says, instead, I'm going to send you, I'm going to go to the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, 
to be with you and in you and work through you, and then you're going to do more than I've done. It's like this big trade-off. And I think sometimes, I know oftentimes I go, wait a minute, I just want to know what Jesus would do right here. I wish he was right here with me. And I think Thomas and Philip are saying the same thing. Wait a minute, Jesus. How are we supposed to know the way? You know, How are we supposed to know how to follow you uh, when you're not here? He said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the Father send my spirit to be in you and be among you and working through you. Okay. I don't know what I think about that. That really is a, Can you imagine the Father sending you the Spirit to transform you and change you? You've got to take a minute and just think about that as a reality for a second. Because I think sometimes we can hear that, those words, the Spirit's in us, and we go, okay, okay check, got it. And we don't think about, no, no, Jesus said, I'm sending the Spirit. You know, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the place that God chose for his Spirit to live. You know, you're not just a human. You're not just a man. It is a song like that. But you're not just a person. You are a person living, you know, you're not just a person living by your own human power. You are someone who's carrying the Spirit of God with you. And that's why Jesus said, it's better for me to leave because God's going to send his spirit to be inside of you. We just have to process that for a minute. Process the power of that. You know, I think we have to let it sort of sink in and impact just what we think. Hit us first inside and then figure out how how does that play out for us outwardly, outside of us. You know, Jeremiah prophetically said in Jeremiah 29, you'll you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So you have the Holy Spirit there to enable you to be whatever God wants you to be. So what is it that you would need to set aside in your life to see God with your whole heart? What's the thing that, you know, the Holy Spirit was in you, residing in you, really is the voice of God with you, talking with you as a gentle, encouraging friend, saying, oh, yeah, don't do that. Change that. What is it that you really want there that you want to tell God? Hey, God, I want to be, I want to have an intimate relationship with you no matter what. Even if it means I have to suffer. Because of you. Because when we get to that point where God's the most important thing, where God is beyond the things that we tend to worry about, oh, it might affect my job, it might affect this, it might affect that, then really that's when it becomes satisfying. It becomes happy, grateful, and meaningful. I just think of the relationships that I've had that have endured through suffering. <clears throat> that have taken, that realize, oh, it really doesn't matter what's going on around me. I, I have this friendship with someone. I have this friendship with God. God is there for me regardless of what happens. It doesn't really matter what happens. You know, but you only need the Holy Spirit if you're going to decide to do everything he commanded. You know, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. You know, if, if you're not going to do everything he commanded, you're not going to take on the full boat, then you don't really need the Holy Spirit. 
You could just say, okay, I just won't do that. I feel like the Spirit's calling me to do that, but not doing that. You know, in, in the Romans 8, he just talks about how we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory. So we only really need the Holy Spirit if we realize we're going to have to share in his sufferings. I know this is heavy. This is heavy for me. Just think about, wow, I only really need the Holy Spirit if I'm just going to take on the same sufferings that Jesus had. You know, we only really need the Holy Spirit if we're going to fix our eyes on what's eternal. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, we're going to need the Holy Spirit if we desire to, like Paul said in Philippians, to attain the resurrection of the dead. Somehow becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining that same resurrection that Jesus had. That's what we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to bring us through those things. Because it's, it's easy, I think, to say, hey, Jesus, you know, come join me in my life's party. You know, I've got my sins. I've got the things I'm addicted to. I've got these bad relationships. Why don't you just come on and party with me? It'll be, I'll be good. You know, that'll be fine. But, it's, but repentance means, hey, Jesus, you know, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. So I want to give all those things up. I want to turn away from them. I want to avoid the selfishness that's in there, the sin that I'd like to you know, be involved with. I really want to let it go. I want to walk with you and only with you. You are my life now. Help me walk away from the things that enslave me. Help me walk away from the worthless things in life. You know, taking up your cross can be a... Uh, yeah, a euphemism, just a metaphor for, you know, all the things that are problems in your life. You know, you know you're supposed to handle those problems with a semi-good attitude, right? Here in my cross. I don't like it, but I'm doing it. Raw, 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 raw. <laughs> you know, and I know, so at least Larry is with me. I, I do that often, unfortunately. But, you know, the things that are problems in this life, you know, whether it's, oh, I got too much to do, I'm really busy, or I have bills. Anybody else here have bills? Yeah, yeah. yeah. a few of them. You know, I mean, but it's even more serious. You know, personal illnesses, illness in family and friends. You know, sometimes we have to make hard decisions. You know, will we do this or that? You know, will we? Will we? How will we take care of somebody? You know, maybe it's paying for college tuition. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Maybe it's losing a job. <clears throat> maybe it's you know trying to sell your house, or maybe more relevantly now, wanting to buy a house, or Unfortunately, having bought a house, you know, that needs a lot of work on it. Uh, you know, maybe it's just, you know, the dog dies that you love and you really care about. You know, those kinds of experiences, though, are felt by everybody, whether or not they follow Jesus, whether or not they have the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but when we have the opportunity to hear the Holy Spirit, we can literally say, you know, wow, am I willing to give up everything for Jesus? Now think about it. If Jesus came to you today and said, hey, 
Would you just say, hey, I guess he would. <laughs> hey. Verily. Verily, verily, I say hey to you. Um, would, could you just sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Like everything, everything. Just wipe it out. Could you do it? You know, before you say, well, you know, you know, you really, just, just take a minute and think about that question. Jesus said to do something, would you really be willing to do it? You know, because it's not out of his character in the gospel just to ask for everything. So I think it's, let's go over in Galatians 5. Because I think it's exciting to think about this power of the Holy Spirit, but it's it's right along there. It's challenging. Like, come on, computer, open up. Get over to uh, Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is, is a very interesting passage. It's very powerful. And so you start off in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So there's like this tug-of-war battle going on. There is... <clears throat> the things of the flesh, of the, of the simple nature of life that are sort of tugging on you in one direction. And then there's the, the things that the Spirit desires that are tugging on you in the other direction. And, of course, you've got a Spirit of God inside of you sort of speaking to you. You know, saying, saying things to you, encouraging you, helping you, really trying to, in that tug of war against the Spirit, against the things that are that are, uh, you know, they're challenging. You think about it, when we're fully in tune with the Spirit, I mean, you ever felt that way? I am. I've been praying, I've been fasting, I'm really in touch with the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever felt that way? I mean, once, <laughs> okay, very occasionally, sometimes this morning. In those times, the, the temptation of sin is much reduced. It may not be totally gone away, but it's, it's much easier to say, I'm not going to yell at my dog and bark at my wife or bark at my dog. or I'm not going to be upset with my kids. I'm not going to react disproportionately to what they're saying. I'm not going to be mad and angry. It's, it's easier to avoid those things. It's easier to avoid the temptations of, of you know, just physical desires when we're tight with the Spirit. And when we're not tight with the Spirit, it becomes much easier and I find, you know, when I give in once, when I, you know, like I, I, uh, <clears throat> I take one thought and say, oh, I, I really, I, I'm pretty upset about that. And then one more thought jumps on, and one more thought, pretty soon it can get pretty big. And so really what I want to do is I want to be led by the Spirit, Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. I want to let the Spirit be in control of things and really let the Spirit win the battle. Um, and how do I do that? Well, I think it's really it's realizing that God is right there along with me, wanting me to win the battle. So I want to read a passage here from uh, 1 Kings 18. So if you join me over there in 1 Kings 18.20. So there's a similar battle going on uh, in this scenario. This is about Elijah and Obadiah and Ahab and the priests of Baal. And, of course, Elijah being the man of God. 
And it was, uh, you know, basically a toe-to-toe discussion between Elijah, representing God, and the priests of Baal, representing Baal. And a big fight out here. And so it comes down to it in verse 20. It says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord's God follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, let them choose one for themselves, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then, then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. You ever felt that way? <clears throat> Whether it's in a conversation, or it's in a with people, or even in your own spiritual conversation. Oh, I feel like all the pressure, all the anxiety, all the stress, <clears throat> all the things seem to be way on this side, and trying to be led by the Spirit is like this little sliver. Like, I feel like I'm totally outweighed. It's like, what can one person do? You know, what can God do to change this situation? <clears throat> How do I really leverage this gift of the Holy Spirit in my life? What, what's really going to happen? And so here we keep on reading. It says, then all the people said, what you say is good. <clears throat> then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. <clears throat> so they took the bull given to them. And prepared it. Then they called in the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's asleep. He's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until the blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Well, it turns out that the prophets of Baal, what they believed was that when it was a drought, it was because Baal was actually locked up. Baal was detained. He was in jail, so to speak, and wasn't available. So Elijah is actually poking at that. He's saying, maybe he's detained. Maybe he's busy. Your God's in jail, and He can't come and help you. You know, so He was He was bold here. It's just four fifty to one, and He's like there prodding them, and poking them, and so on. And so uh, where are we? So it said. Then Elijah said to all the people, "Come here to me." They came to him, and he prepared the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. So to whom, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying. Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. <coughs> um, I looked that up. It's a lot, I think. Um, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, Fill four large jars of water, pour in the offering, and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time. 
the order, and they did it a third time. Then the water ran down around the altar, even filled the trench. The time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. <clears throat> it's amazing. You know, he's at the point of, God, I need you to do this. And so he said, God, it's all up to you. God, I'm struggling with this sin. It's all up to you. God, I'm trying to do what you called me to do. It's all up to you. God, I really, I know you can do it. It's all up to you. And when it happened, all the people went, oh, Elijah is such a great prophet. What did it say? What did it say? It says, God is great. God is great. That's what it means when the Holy Spirit's working through us, is it's that God is great. I mean, I think the, the prophets of Baal, they represent working really hard, slashing yourself, Going to the end, they were worked up, it says, into a frenzy. They were just in a tither about it. And yet, Elijah said, you know, whatever. I think that's what he said. That's what the Hebrew says to me. (laughs) I trust God. I'm going to go to God. You know, I'm okay with taking on the impossible. I'm okay with praying for God's spirit. See, when we rely on God's spirit, it really does change us. It transforms us. It makes us different. You know, Paul said in Romans 14, he said that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us peace. 14, 17, if you're jotting it down. Or Romans 15, 13, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us hope. It's because we hope we have peace because we have the very presence of God living in us. We have the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that you cannot buy. Simon the Sorcerer, right? Tried to buy it. You can't buy it. The only way to get it is to decide to go all in. To decide that you're going to give it up yourself. You're going to decide to repent and make the decision to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thought it was encouraging this morning. You know, Shelby has done a great job of coming up with a book for Advent, her idea. And uh, some of us have been reading it um, daily for a little bit. Um, and today was just, I thought it was very interesting. Again, remember I, I started off saying that I don't, believe, I, mean, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe the Holy Spirit <clears throat> continues to work. Uh, and he works at a timeline that seems sometimes to bump into each other and go, oh my goodness. Just read a little bit of, <clears throat> of this to you. It says, so was, so was who Jesus was that was glorious, <clears throat> not only what he did, in fact, what he did was secondary. Who he was was primary. So Christ's glory lay in the fact that he was perfect love in a loveless world. That he was purity in an impure world. 
that he was meekness in a harsh and quarrelsome world, that he convinced humility in a world where every man was seeking his own place, that he showed boundless, fathomless mercy in a hard and cruel world, that he evinced selfless goodness in a world full of selfishness. It was the deathless devotion of Jesus and the patient suffering and the unquenchable life and the grace and the truth that they beheld. They beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so it was this that made Jesus wonderful. As little as the poor, blind world knows about it today, in all its wild, money-inspired, and profit-inspired celebrations, it's not celebrating turning water into wine. It's not celebrating healing the sick or raising the dead. It's not celebrating the cursing of fig trees or the sticking on of cut-off ears. The poor, blind world, with what little bit of religious instinct it has left in it yet, in this season, celebrating who he was. Rejoice in the gift that we have received, the Holy Spirit that lives in us every day. Let's celebrate joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.